0: What a week it's been, so much to talk about, and so many things we can't talk about. I'm Mark. And
1: I'm Harris. And we'd like to welcome you to Behind the Gorilla, a podcast where we delve into the wild, wacky, and crazy side of professional wrestling.
0: All right, I'm ready to roll whenever you are.
1: All right, well.
0: (laughs) Oh, the other thing we can be doing when we start a Patreon is you just secretly record all these little gems that we do off the air without my knowledge and then just post those (laughs) on Patreon, like little bonus clips of just us dicking around.
1: Harris, I've been doing that since we started (laughs) the thing. I mean, you think any of our episodes that are actually up are actual episodes? No. (laughs) No. No, we
0: haven't recorded like an on action. You, Harris. You've never listened to one of them. It's just this.
1: Right. You would have no idea. You've never even looked at the website.
0: The website? Yeah.
1: No, Where I do mean, you I think the a, podcasts just, are posted?
0: Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I don't know how podcasts work. You're the one who handles all this stuff. It's I'm not just a, like the not, co-host.
1: It's not a real website. I mean, it's just a podcast. It just has the podcast on it, but still.
0: Right. I mean, I have us in our iTunes feed, so like, you know, I'm getting the episodes, I'm getting the downloads, but I'm not like going to the source. Maybe I should be, I don't know, maybe this is a completely different show.
1: Fair enough, fair (laughs) enough. All right, let's get this over with. Woo! It's a good attitude, I feel like, to begin each episode.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: All right. How's it going, everyone? And welcome back, because we are, uh, well, we took another week off. So, of the past four weeks, we've only done two episodes, which is the really the first time in like a year or whatever that we've missed that many in a row, or uh, that many that quickly. But it's alright, because we're on Season 6, baby. Woo! Season 6!
0: There's short reigns, but we're getting the number up. It's sort of like it's WWE's approach to getting charlotte flair more title wins than her father she's gonna get 17 title reigns in like two years it's (laughs) gonna be ridiculous but all that matters is the number and we're gonna get it so it's fine
1: yep yep we are so uh yeah we're gonna have a new episode it's harris's turn he'll he'll give us something at some point but real quick we got stuff we got to catch up on um because we've missed a lot Uh, One thing, there was a a decent wrestling show that happened last weekend, Um, fairly big, fairly important, first ever AEW show, and uh, that was a lot of fun. I I enjoyed that. Of course, I miss everything live, because baseball games are every night, but uh, went back and stayed up to like 3 in the morning watching it (laughs) afterwards, and was absolutely exhausted to the point where I feel like I didn't enjoy the Jericho Kenny Omega match as much as I should have. Because it, it was, was like two in the morning. In the morning and I'll you I was for that. so tired. But I didn't yeah, want to fair. stop it and then have to continue to stay off of social media for another day till I watched like that. Because I was yeah. able to avoid all spoilers all night. I turned off all my notifications to the Twitter to the Pine the Gorilla was- Twitter Twitter page and everything. And, uh, I, I, nothing got spoiled. So, so that was, that was good. And, uh, I, it was a great show.
0: I'm glad you decided to do that. Cause I, I did get a chuckle out of that. You got on the, you know, our Twitter behind underscore gorilla and you were like, Hey guys, I'm not going to be able to watch this. So nobody tweet any spoilers. And then I saw that. <laughs> And I thought, well, that's a shame because I am watching it. And I just hopped right on and started tweeting away. (laughs) So I'm glad you turned the notifications off because I was not about to not use our Twitter for that show. Oh, sure.
1: Of course. No, I'm glad you did. We We needed the presence there. Get the
0: brand out there. Yeah. I think it's probably the funniest thing I've ever tweeted from that account. The Super Smash Bros. showed up to crash the end of the tag team match. And on Twitter, they said, you think we were just going to forget? And I got to post that picture of Thanos mm-hmm. saying, I don't even know who you are. Because <laughs> literally, it was amazing. It wasn't just me this time, Mark. I was watching this and I was like, oh, no, I don't know who these guys are. And then the crowd was like, we don't know who these guys are. <laughs> it was great. It was so validating.
1: I did see that. That was, uh, that was very successful right there. That enjoyed- was, that was That was really funny. Yeah, but uh yeah, a great show. The biggest takeaway from Double or Nothing for me is how in the hell did I not know who Luchasaurus was and why have <laughs> I not been watching him for years because he is awesome.
0: Just the name alone, you're like, "Oh, I'm a fan." Not
1: the name, man. the look, like and the dude's incredible. Like that was awesome. I was like, "This is like this could be a new patron saint of the show." and and why have i never seen him before and apparently he's wrestled a ring of honor and Loosh underground and all these things and it's like well well you got to get around more mark clearly because that dude was awesome and he's probably my biggest takeaway um uh, from that show uh, surprise takeaway maybe is a better way to put that
0: um i'm glad you said that cuz for me that guy was orange cassidy cuz i'd never i didn't know anything about him before yeah. this show started and i saw like I saw that he was going to be in it and you know like here's a link to one of his other matches or whatever but I didn't watch it. I just saw his face and thought, "Oh, he seems like a cool guy." He's sort of, I mean it's like a lot of the top talent in NXT right now is just kind of that like cool-looking skinny white guy who can right. do like a ton of crazy moves. So I figured he was something like that. I was not expecting that. I, I was hate not it. expecting the performance we got. I, I love it. it. I, I absolutely it. love it.
1: I absolutely hate it. That's Rick. my only look. I I am so excited. I'm so excited for for AEW on TNT. I cannot wait. That's going to be a weekly watching. Of course, I hate that part of it. Um, I hate. I I really don't like that they fully are embracing that side of it, um, because I don't know how far they're going to take it, and yeah. it, and it worries me, because um, all these internet people. Some reason, a lot of people love this aspect of comedy wrestling, and I don't, I don't mind, but I don't like it when it uh, overlaps with the um, actual pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. And I'm just worried AEW is going to uh, go into that, just just do to be different and to include the internet community or whatever. And I, I don't know. I just, I'm not a fan of it, and so I just, I hope it stays. In a certain little corner that it needs to stay in.
0: I th- Yeah, that's fair. I That was the impression I got is like I don't think Orange Cassidy is going to be fighting for the AEW championship anytime soon. You know, I think they have just the – I mean counting all in too, I feel like they've had a good separation between the goofy stuff that's happening in the undercard. Yeah. And like the actual – you know, and, and Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho. Like yeah. if Joey Ryan's penis druids were coming out in the main event of a show for the title, that would be a little much.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's,
0: that's fair. But so far they've done a good job of – because I love that kind of stuff. I think that's really fun. I think they've done a good job of keeping that separate from the serious show, you know, as serious as pro wrestling can right, get. And right. I mean, you know, like they can still clearly deliver emotional moments like Cody and Dustin. Right. That was the best match oh, yeah. I've it ever was... seen from those two guys. Yeah, it wasn't I mean, that even was close.
1: awesome. Yeah, but, but you're right. So far, they have, and I just hope they they keep it that way, and then it then it's yeah. fine. But I'm just worried that they won't, and we'll see. That's the only thing of all AEW that that gives me like a, eh. Everything else, mm-hmm. I'm fully on board for and can't wait. Mm-hmm. But, uh yeah, all, all the matches, though, were, were great again. I mean, but, yeah, Cody and Dustin, it wasn't even close. There wasn't even a close second um that was that was one of the best matches i've seen in a very long time and it was oh it was it was great it was great it felt and i know this was our goal but it felt like uh nwa grudge match from like 1988 like that i mean that's what it felt like and it was it was so refreshing to watch it was awesome
0: and i knew you were going to love it too about halfway through i was like i hope mark doesn't get spoiled for this cuz there's so much blood and he loves it there's blood in it that is not
1: what why is that what you thought i i'm not like this i don't care about the blood you just always complain
0: cuz there's no blood in wwe I matches complain so i complain like, when oh, it's a
1: freaking cage match and nobody bleeds that i do complain about cuz that makes no logical sense whatsoever <laughs> um yeah no that's fair but uh and it was I don't know. I'm not I'm not, it doesn't have to be a lot of blood and that was jeez I haven't seen that much that was a lot. Trying to think. There was that Eddie Guerrero JBL match from Judgment yeah, that was Day. Then there was another Judgment Day match. I don't know what it's with Judgment Day and blood, but then there was the uh JBL John Cena match I think from a different Judgment Day where John Cena was pouring blood. But yeah, I mean th- this is up there with with some of the more more bloody matches. And uh it, it but it and, and I remember sitting there like why is he bleeding this much? And <laughs> then cuz I was like there's no way Dustin Rhodes is bleeding that much not on purpose. Like he's Dustin Rhodes, he knows how to blade. And so but then as the match kept going I was like that's why he's bleeding that much. And it all made sense and it was awesome.
0: (laughs) I wonder how much of that was due to like the fact that he just hasn't done it in.
1: No, no, that was 100%. That was 100% intentional. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. No,
0: 100%. Part of what makes it work in kayfabe is that out of kayfabe, there's a part of me that's like, is he supposed to be bleeding that much? Like that anxiety makes the match more intense. You know what I mean? Like that works.
1: Right. And I think that was all done on purpose. That's
0: the point. Yeah, yeah. It the it was the great. purpose I was, was not expecting it to be that good, frankly. The purpose
1: was for both of them to literally. It, it, I mean, you could tell. I mean, the way the match was, it was the ultimate babyface move
0: mm-hmm.
1: with Dustin Rhodes to get as much sympathy as possible, and yeah. and that's why. And it was and it was pulled off perfectly. I mean, because yeah, you have two of the best ever, Dustin Rhodes, one of the more underrated performers, probably at least of the past 30 years because of his gold dust thing, which is obviously what made him most of his career and was totally different and and gave him a big name and everything. But but the problem with that was it undercut how good he is as a wrestler. He was so good before then, just as the natural Dustin Rhodes. He just didn't have really a character. But as far as like in-ring stuff, like he was always fantastic. Um, even in early WCW when he was wrestling with stunning Steve Austin, people like that <laughs> for like the US title and, and the TV title, whatever, like he was always really good. It's just he didn't, you know, you, you have to stand out somehow. Right. If you, you know, you can be really good and you have no real presence or character and it's, you know, it's just not going to work. We've seen that time and time again. But yeah. so it was awesome just being able to see that again and and, and it to be like a reminder, like, no, he's really good. And and see. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. And with a character that, like, let you root for him, not that you couldn't root for Goldust, but it was so weird. Like, that was kind of the point. It was unapproachable. Like, I never had that right. much, like, empathy or sympathy for Goldust. He was just too out there. Right but with somebody like this where he's kind of doing that old man Logan thing where he's like, this Mm -hmm. is one last ride, and I want... You know, all that kind of stuff. It just worked a little bit better because he let himself be more human. It was great. I loved it.
1: Yeah, it was wonderful. Um, Cody was great, how he's this big baby face, and it's his company and his thing, and he was Mm -hmm. still able to be a heel in that match. Where you're like, you son of a bitch. And it was just like... (laughs) Like, that, that's how good he is at the same time. It, it made sense. It didn't feel like he was being a heel just to be the heel in the match, even though that's thats what was happening. Right. It, it felt real. and it, Like, the whole thing was done so well. It was built so well. And, so, and it was executed great. The only thing I didn't like... Okay, the stupid hammer thrown thing was so dumb. That was so dumb. I hated that thi- so much. They didn't have the budget for it. It just looked cheap. No, it wasn't even that. It was the fact that it was happening. It was just like, really? This just seems so dumb to to do. It, what does this accomplish?
0: I think it was just a crowd pleaser. It was literally just to get that, ooh, he did that thing pop. Like, it was... I didn't mind it. I was just like... To okay. me, it... Like, it I it, don't it, think they're going to be doing that all the time. Sure. You know what I mean?
1: But to me, like... I. I don't think that's the right approach I just don't I don't I just don't I don't like that i I, I like the approach to be honest I kind of like the approach that wCW or uh, that uh WWE has done over the years where they just don't acknowledge the other the other people yeah I kind of like that approach and I kind of get it but uh I don't know just it's at some point if you're going too far like they're they're so heavily doing the, uh, like promoting the, uh, like trying to pr- promote a new war, AEW's mm-hmm. doing it. They're, they're going all in no pun intended on, on trying to do that. J- just with the way that people are tweeting and stuff. I mean, Jericho constantly is tweeting WWE stuff and it's just yeah. like, eh, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's a good thing. Obviously, obviously, the competition aspect is good, and the and and having some sort of competition between companies is good for the fans and everything. But I don't know if I don't know if just I don't know if that's a good idea. Cause I don't know, I don't I don't think it's gonna hurt them or anything. I just I just didn't really like seeing it. It was like I don't care about that. I care about this match. So
0: uh, I, I think. I think from a business perspective, it's smart that they push themselves as the alternative. Sure. Because they're coming along at a really good time where, like, WWE is as stagnant right. as it's been in a long, long time. And it's smart of them to capitalize on that. And if something like a stupid angle is happening on Raw, that, like, Jericho or the Young Bucks tweet something about it or subtweet something about it. Sure. I think that's that makes good business sense. I think I they have to be careful. Like, they're trying to walk this line of... Pushing themselves as an alternative and like acknowledging that people are frustrated with WWE and bringing in guys like, you know, John Moxley to mm-hmm. counter that and like to give you something else to watch as a wrestling fan. But they have to do that without making it into the product too much. Right. And I think that's why, like, yeah, the throne thing is kind of hit or miss because that wasn't a tweet or like a shot at a press conference. That was like something that happened in the show in kayfabe that you kind of it takes away from the current product a little bit. you know what i mean yep it's sort of like a it's like a that'll put butts in seats moment like i think of wcw Mm -hmm. and especially like later towards the end when they were really kind of going down the tubes and you just kind of got the impression that they were trying too hard yep and just bringing it up all the time like you have to let your product stand or fall on its own merits but for me doing something like that to kick off his match in the first pay per view, I think that was a little enough thing that it didn't distract from the show, and as long as they don't do that like every show going forward, that would get kind of annoying. Yeah. Yeah. I but definitely agree. I get your point. I was like, all right, come on, Cody. But it didn't like ruin anything for me. It didn't take oh, anything no, away no, from no,
1: no, it didn't it didn't ruin anything at all. I just I just remember watching, I was just like, eh,
0: this doesn't need to be here. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't, I don't think you're wrong, but I think it got, it got a pop from the live crowd, if nothing else. Well, of, of you know? course, I mean, it kind of did its job.
1: Of course, it's, I mean, it's just pure shock value. So yeah, which I, I, which there, obviously, well, there's, there's clearly a place for that in, in, in wrestling, of course. But if it's done too much, then you turn into someone we're gonna talk about, um, I guess, in four weeks. But. um... <laughs> oh you guys will get that later um oh boy anyway uh so yeah no the double or nothing was was a lot of fun I okay what is your opinion on Jericho's new finishing move
0: dude I really like it really I I thought in the video package because I watched like the promos leading up to it they kind of released them all on this long video on YouTube so I was watching that before even like the pay-per-view itself And they're doing it, you know, where he's in, like, what looks like a modified MMA gym doing his training montage. And it didn't look great when he's practicing on a bag. But the fact that, I mean, I think the reason he picked this, like he talked about it, is you can hit it from anywhere. Uh, Yeah. That's kind of, you know, it's sort of a diamond cutter RKO situation where you can just pop and you did it. Sure. I wasn't really expecting him to hit it. And then he did, and then he got the pin. So I really enjoyed it. I've talked about this in the past. Like, one of the things I love about a Kenny Omega match is you know the finisher is really a finisher. It's like a yes, death blow, yes. guaranteed. I love it. And he he didn't get to hit it this match, you know? Like, he tried, and he just couldn't quite catch it. I know. And I, I love, love that they're protecting Jericho's new finisher. And I think it looked good. I think it, it only looks good from, like, certain angles if you hit it a certain way. But the way he did it, looked really good and sounded really good and like clearly worked. So I was, I'm into it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I'm not a I, fan of the, uh, the one punch finisher in yeah, wrestling. It's just, look, I understand logically. Yes, of course this would actually be a real finisher. Like I, I get it, Yeah, but it's just, it just, I just don't like it in, in wrestling. To me, it's just blah in, in professional yeah. wrestling. Like I'm not here for that. I'll watch UFC to watch someone knock a guy out with a punch, you know? Right. Like, I don't need to see Big Show punching a guy. Like, that's not entertaining to me.
0: I thought of that, too, and I I know you don't love the strike finishers as much, and I get that. I don't mind the
1: kicks. I don't mind kicks as much. Interesting. Um, I don't know. I think it's more just on a pure showmanship level. Like, there's more you can do. Like, Sweet Chin Music's one of the best finishers of all time, and now it's been dragged through the mud for years, which is fine. Um,
0: Good grief! Can we talk about the fact?
1: Mark, can we talk about? I know, I know. I, I, every time I, I think of Ziggler that, I
0: just can't do it. As well. <laughs> every that's time all it I is.
1: think of it, so clearly the young bucks are horrible when it comes to doing sweet chin musics because I mean they don't even get two counts <laughs> yeah, on theirs. Um, that's
0: the takeaway.
1: They have to do it like twelve times to get a two count. But uh, <laughs> uh can we talk about the fact that the mother freaking Canadian destroyer has become a DDT? how is this okay
0: how is this allowed to happen it's the coolest finisher
1: of all time it's the most devastating looking thing ever and in the past year it has been turned into a ddt how
0: see i don't think this is partially just my own limited experience outside of wwe but i've never like they use it as a DDT even in like NXT. Like they'll hit one and everybody but goes nuts. But this is
1: all starting in the past about year.
0: I don't know, man. Just gotta. Poor
1: man, I feel so bad for Petey Williams.
0: Was that? I mean, again, this doesn't bother me because if they don't use it as their finisher, it's because they don't have you know enough power <laughs> in it to finish people with it. That's it's just that simple. It's just another. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, yeah, no. I mean, you're. I mean, you're right, but. Or 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 maybe uh, they're they're doing it like, like David Arquette was talking about with Diamond Cutter, where they're doing it too early. You know, they're not doing the right in the right time or building up yeah. to it properly. So That's
0: true. Yeah, yeah. It's like a video game. Like if you try to hit it when their health bar isn't low enough, then it's not gonna work. <laughs> but talking about Jericho, yeah, back enough. to his finisher for a second, I felt like I don't know. I just, I think because seeing him like practice it in the gym or whatever, I was like, eh, that's a little underwhelming. But the shock value of it, and I think he's just, he puts enough flair on it for it to work for me. That's the difference between, you know, you like on the spectrum, there's like sweet chin music and there's the big show's knockout punch except it just looks like the Big Show is punching in slow motion because he's very large. Right. And when he does other moves that are just as quick and simple as punching people, but it's not the knockout punch, it doesn't really work, you know? Like, it right. just, stylistically, it's not there. But to me, I don't know, something just about, the like, the speed at which he does it and the sound it makes and, like, the striking flair, I don't know. It worked. It might not work if he keeps using it. Yeah. I think that's part of it is that it was so quick and that he's only used it once, you just blink and the match is over. And I like that. That was really fun. Yeah. If It's harder to do something like that and bring like that UFC style knockout the same way that, you, you know, with the same intensity as watching a UFC fight, it's hard to do that in pro wrestling because you yeah. usually just kind of feel cheated yeah. by quick knockout. Yep. But if he can keep pulling it off like that, I'll be really excited to see it. I liked it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's fine. But just, yeah. We'll, uh... We'll see. But it wasn't it wasn't bad or anything. I mean it was it was yeah. it was fine. It was fine.
0: Plus I think it's a good move for him just cause, you know, he's good, but he's more physically limited than he was twenty years ago. I mean it's smart of him to try to incorporate something that can be quick and cool and destructive, that doesn't have to be, you know, like a power bomb or something.
1: Yeah, that that is probably a good idea at the same time. But anyway. And then uh NXT happened. Last night, uh, unless there's anything else on Double or Nothing that you want to talk about,
0: I mean, you know, John Moxley debuted. That was pretty cool.
1: <laughs> we don't need to talk about that. As everyone's talked about that. There's nothing else it's been to say. About it,
0: oh, it was very exciting, though. It I was. It.
1: it was very exciting. It, it was. It was a. Uh, it was well done, and that'll be. That'll be a lot of fun. So yeah. Anyway, oh, uh, the um. It'll be Jericho and Hangman Page for the title. I think that's that's a solid thing. Although, to be honest, I was I was kind of hoping it was going to be Kenny Omega, and uh, Hangman Page for the title first. Um, mm-hmm. But but I mean, uh, but I think Jericho Hangman will be awesome. So that's gonna be that's gonna be a lot of fun. And now now AEW's got a deci- maybe they've already made it, but I feel like they've got a decision to make where it's like, well. Do you uh, get the most publicity right away by having Jericho be the first champion, all this thing, mm-hmm. but then you have a Brock Lesnar on your hands, or do you mm-hmm. uh, give it to the actual future face of the company um, first? So, again, this is another reason why I was like, well, maybe it would have been better if it was Kenny Omega, but uh, but I but I get I get what they're doing. Um, right. the, I mean, this is more eyes to everything. It makes total sense. So, yeah. but I'm curious to see what they decide to do now because they got one of two ways to go and it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to, to find out.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it kind of, it's funny, like becoming a wrestling fan and reading about the Monday night wars and you know, the flaw in WCW is always, Oh, well they paid too much attention to these old stars, but <laughs> watching AEW start now, you're like, well, yeah, get it. Cause you're more likely to get people to tune in if they see Chris Jericho won the title than right. Hangman Page won the title. If you haven't watched wrestling in twenty years, you don't know who that is. You don't care. Right. Like I get it. It's a weird balance they have to try to walk between like a good wrestling product mm-hmm. that features up and coming young stars and, you know, wrestlers that non wrestling fans actually know. Yeah. We'll see. What do you think about the title?
1: Um, I like it. I think it's a good title belt. The only thing I'm not a huge fan of, I, I don't like, here's our logo on the front. Like, I just don't like that in a wrestling belt. Mm-hmm. Um, it It's too, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, again, but I think the belt is awesome. I love everything about it. I just don't really like that the big AEW letters are big the, at the front. It's like the UFC belt. Like, I just don't, I get it, but. Mm -hmm. Wrestling, that's not what wrestling belts ever have been in the history of ever until literally the spinner belt.
0: And, I was about to mention the spinner and, belt, and
1: and now and ever since then, it's been it uh, it's been every belt, right? And, and now it's
0: giant, right in the front.
1: Yeah, and I don't I don't like that, and uh, so I wish they had done something else. I wish they had put a, a world or a a bird, something that's a traditional wrestling belt, you know, mm-hmm. emblem on the front, and you know, and, and obviously you have the logo there somewhere, but just the big thing and just eh, that that's the only yeah. part i didn't like about it as far as the belt goes i think it's great i love it it looks totally different completely unique it looks like it's actually heavy it looks like it's actually valuable and it looks like it's actually something worth fighting for so i yeah, overall it i looks really like
0: like it. i was gonna say it looks sort of new japan-y that was the yeah, vibe yeah, i got like a combination of a new japan belt And the old big gold belt from WCW, which I feel like is exactly what AEW wants to be. Like, that was a really smart Mm -hmm. design on their part because you kind of, you know, you get it just looking at it. You kind of figure out what the company's going to be. And I think it helps them that they did this right after the 24-7 title debuted, which did we get to talk about that at all? Uh, Transitioning into WWE. I I,
1: I think we talked about it. Yeah, I think we did a couple weeks ago.
0: Which is basically, you know, the consensus is, hey, this is a great idea, and this belt looks awful. Right. Just
1: terrible. Right, Right. it's horrible.
0: So it was a great contrast just in seeing two titles debuted in two weeks to see something like that. I really enjoyed it.
1: I agree. I I totally agree. So we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. And then uh, real quick uh, takeover, uh, we kind of – no, we didn't talk about it at all. So uh, takeover no. happened last night, and uh, it was. At this point, it's just pretty boring, right, Harris? Oh, there's an NXT takeover, and oh, it's gonna be amazing. Like you know, uh, there's, <laughs> there's nothing else to expect. It's just it's it's par for the course. We need a bad one just so we can change it up, right? <laughs> I'm I'm so confused with WWE. It's like wait, WWE hasn't had a bad of something. Like no, this isn't right. This is this isn't yeah. right.
0: But I mean, no, it was great one was again. Probably the first one. <laughs>
1: no the first one was great i know <laughs> anyway it's the uh, 25th one which i i still can't fathom that there's been 25 of these because it doesn't seem like there's been 25
0: it doesn't feel like it does it but then you start thinking about it and you're like well yeah once they really got started they've been doing like,
1: like at least like four a year or four, four a year a yeah year. four or yeah, five a year yeah,
0: so, so you start counting back you're like no i guess that makes sense but it is it it's absurd that they've been able to keep up this level of quality for this long, but that's with just with so many different how people. How good NXT is,
1: and with so many different people, because I mean, this right. is like NXT is like a college football team, where they constantly are graduating people, and they're still able to replace them with people just as good and popular as the ones before.
0: Yeah, just that's reload. That's the most
1: impressive part.
0: Well, it's almost like pro wrestling works best as a weekly tv show with occasional big pay-per-views and not (laughs) three episodes a week of television in a pay-per-view every month
1: (laughs) right right yeah that's the
0: reason that's what i'm most excited about for aew is i think cody came out and said yeah we're not going to do one every month i like when pay-per-views feel like a big deal you know
1: i agree i agree so i'm excited about that too but yeah it was great um my favorite thing, as with uh, most recent NXT takeovers, is Velveteen Dream, because the oh. guy is freaking incredible, and this wasn't even one of his best performances, and he's and it's still one of the best things ever. And, right. And it, he, I'm telling you, man, this guy is the guy, but he won't be, because Vince is an idiot. And so he probably just needs to stay in NXT forever, because he'll immediately become irrelevant once he leaves NXT and Vince is anywhere near him because he's definitely a guy Vince is 1 million percent clueless about.
0: I'm trying to remember when the switch flipped in my mind and it went from, Oh, I can't wait to see these NXT wrestlers called up to, I really hope they don't call these (laughs) NXT wrestlers up. I think it was after Bailey. I think it was from that point on. I was like, oh, okay, they don't have any ideas for this guy, do they? I'm trying to think of right. another one that just ate it that hard. Like, everybody who got called up this year, like, they started with EC3 and all those people right before WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. And Ricochet, and mm-hmm. they had Johnny Gargano and Ciampa up for a second, and then Ciampa got hurt, which... Terrible, obviously, but also probably, you know, <laughs> we wouldn't have gotten to see a Johnny Gargano NXT championship run. I don't
1: think. Yeah, that, probably that not.
0: They would have. They'd just be another mediocre tag team now.
1: You might be right.
0: But like everyone this year, I was just like, oh, no, they're not going to do anything, are they? Alistair Black literally cut a promo this week where he said, everyone keeps waiting for me to pick a fight with somebody. Maybe someone should pick a fight with me. And on the one hand, I'm like, that's kind of a cool idea. On the other hand, I'm like, I don't think they have any ideas for him. Like, they're just making up reasons to stall putting him in a feud at this point.
1: Yes, that's 100% what it is. <laughs> and it's it's horrible. And so that's why I loved seeing uh, Tyler Breeze come back down NXT. It's like, yes, now we remember why this guy was so good and, was, and right. was NXT champion for so long and was the the guy in NXT like three or four years ago or whenever it was. And it's like, because he's amazing, but you're not, they're not allowed to be amazing in WWE, which we heard all about um, Mm -hmm. on this past episode of another podcast. And... um,
0: (laughs) What, are we not going to name him?
1: No, (laughs) we're We're not, Terrence. We do not talk, we're not AEW, we don't talk about the enemy. Um,
0: Okay, I like that, I like that. (laughs)
1: But that was still my, fi- and again, yes, Adam Cole and Gargano was another amazing match. Of course, it was it was fantastic. They couldn't have done it any better. But I I enjoyed watching Velveteen Dream and Tyler Breeze more, just because of Velveteen Dream and Tyler Breeze are so entertaining to watch, and they're the perfect people to have in a match together because they have these like handful of similar qualities, and it was so much fun to watch.
0: Yeah, the character dynamic there is what I really loved because it was almost like Tyler Breeze was Velveteen Dream before Velveteen Dream showed up.
1: A little bit, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I love that angle.
0: Yeah, that was a lot of fun trying to see them like out-ego each other. And there was a great there was a great little clip that was making its way around on Twitter where, you know, Tyler Breeze poses in the corner and Dream makes his entrance and gets right up in his face and throws his arms out like that. And Tyler Breeze just cocks his eyebrow, almost like The Rock, but like different, better, you know, like a more Tyler Breeze eyebrow raise. Yeah. And it's just perfect. It's just little <laughs> moments like that where you're like, oh, yeah, this is why I love pro wrestling. This is good.
1: That's No, that, that that's exactly right. That was one of those matches where it's like, okay, this is why we enjoy pro wrestling. Yes. And, and I, and I love that. And I'm telling you every time bevel teen dream and there's no you can't explain it. You can never explain it to anybody why he's as good as he is. You just look at him and you're just like, Oh wow. That, that just, yeah. he just has everything.
0: He, yeah. I mean, he has like the most charisma of, of anybody any in the company. I've ever seen in such a condensed environment. And it's not like it's somebody like Enzo. Like, I didn't. I didn't. I liked Enzo. I, even love, though you knew I loved knew He wasn't that Enzo. good in the ring. I loved Enzo. But he just runs his mouth so much, you can't stop looking at him. Velveteen Dream is like that, except he's also a great wrestler. And yep. he's. What is he? Like 22, 23, yeah, something mean, like that? He's just going to get better, which is hard to imagine because he's already <laughs> incredible. But yeah, man, that's. That's it right there. That's that's NXT at its best. And that's the future. you know
1: what's another reason for it is he is literally invisible. Like he's not anywhere. He's not on social media. He's not in back. In like all these backstage vignettes. He's not going out and doing like meet and greets with stuff. Like he's mm-hmm. he's not anywhere. He's totally this mysterious figure. He's ba- I mean he is in more ways than one. Like Prince. I mean, he I mean, that's that's obviously the biggest inspiration in the first place, but he is doing that with his character where he's keeping himself completely hidden away and this this shroud of mystery around him. And I think that's one that's a big part of it. Where you're like, you're seeing this character, and we don't have that in in wrestling anymore, because in WWE, they have to go and do this signing, and then they have to do this meet and greet, and then they have to go on this TV TV show to to promote this, and there's all of that stuff, and then you can't see that on the indie circuit, because they constantly have to interact in social media, and they have to push their brand, and they have to do all this other stuff, so you never see this in wrestling.
0: And yeah, with him, I
1: he's it's... doing that, and I'm worried that'll go away if he ever goes into the main roster just due to the fact of what WWE does. Yeah. And not even, like, as a fault the WWE, just the way that they run stuff and the way wrestlers have to interact with people. And so I'm just – I'm curious to see how long he's going to be able to keep that.
0: Yeah, I mean, talking about the way they run things, I think he's sort of like NXT – as a whole, which is like less is more like you see these performers. Occasionally you get an interview, right? And then every few months you get a big match and that just works really well with pro wrestling in a way that, you know, a lot of television and a lot of pay-per-views, like the more you see them, it kind of takes away from it. But I think it's something that works so well with that kind of character too. Like, you're absolutely right. Everything you just said about like the social media and the, you know, autograph signings and interviews and all this stuff. But like, Becky Lynch wouldn't have blown up if she didn't have social media and wasn't on there all the time, you know? And for somebody like Bailey, like if Bailey never went to any fan sightings or autograph signings, then it wouldn't really work. You know what I mean? Like he has the perfect amount of accessibility for what he's doing and like the kind of charisma he has and the character he has. Yep. You're right. I don't think that's sustainable. I think the best you can hope for as a fan is it being this good at this Velveteen Dream character is an indication that he'll be able to adapt and become something else. You know what I mean? Because I think you have to sort of have some adaptability. You shouldn't have to, that's kinda sad, but especially going from NXT to the main roster, you have to have like another gear that yeah. you can put yourself into if what you're doing in NXT doesn't exactly work. Mm-hmm. Like I think of this this is kind of the opposite. Like Elias was never that big of a deal in NXT. He had a couple video promos, but he was a really serious character. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until he got called up to the main roster that he was able to, like, flip a switch. And not quite, like, straight-up comedy, but, like, that is a little bit more his deal. He's not a serious drifter with a guitar. He's the guy who comes out and makes fun of you, and you love it because it's very clever. You know, like, he was able to make that transition... Yeah. And you just you hope Dream is talented enough that he can do that, too. Or he just doesn't get called up until Triple H takes <laughs> over.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, well, we'll we'll have to see. But anyway, so TakeOver was good again, yada, yada, yada. That's, you know, par for the course.
0: For a change.
1: Yeah, I know. Yeah. So uh, anyway, after a very long time of talking about stuff that all of you have already talked about, um, well, we should probably get into the episode. So, Harris... Take it away whenever you're uh, ready. We'll get into an actual episode now of Behind the Gorilla.
0: Heck, yeah. So I'm really glad. I like when we can sort of line these up to current events or things that are happening or I can segue in some way. And I love, like, with all the conversation going on about AEW and Double or Nothing, John Moxley showing up and appearing on some other dumb podcast. I don't know. I certainly didn't listen to it. <laughs> no. Nope. And talking about all the work that went into his character or lack thereof, you know, how that was sort of the problem and just the idea of of character development of gimmicks in general in wrestling, like Velveteen dream. My topic this week, I enjoyed looking into because it's kind of the same idea, but in a completely different time, a completely different world. And we, we talked about this briefly. So you already know, but this character comes from the height of the attitude era 1999 sort of the this time of year may and june and it's in the WWF again we you know we knock on WCW a lot but I've been trying to correct that trend and this week is no exception we're talking about the WWF really at the height of its power at least if you think about it in terms of what people know from the attitude era the main event right now is you know It's the higher power. It's the Undertaker and the Ministry of Darkness, and then it's Shane McMahon with the corporation joining them and forming the corporate ministry, and then it becomes the higher power. That's almost an episode in and of itself. I don't think we've ever done, but there's some twists and turns along the way, and it's not always good, but it is like prime – soapy, like, WWF drama. You know, like, the kind of stuff people look back on the Attitude Era fondly about, right?
1: Or me, and don't look back on it fondly.
0: Well, yeah, that's fair, but at least, like, remember (laughs) fondly. Because you got Stone Cold running around, you got The Rock running around, and I think what people tend to overlook about the Attitude Era is you always have wrestlers like this running around, too. So, this is a guy named Charles Warrington. Uh, He was basically... A journeyman wrestler. That's his real name. He started training in the early 90s and kind of did what a lot of journeyman wrestlers do. He was enhancement talent for a bit, and then he became, you know, like a bit player in different tag teams, and they weren't bad, you know, but he never, he never caught fire. He was in a tag team called the Spiders for a little while. He was in a tag team called the Flying Nuns for a little while, which is certainly colorful and kind of edgy yeah, you there know, we for go. the Attitude Era, but the fact that I had certainly never heard of the Flying Nuns before. Looking this guy up sort of tells you something about how (laughs) successful they were. And eventually, he found a little bit of success as one half of the headbangers. He was Headbanger Mosh partnering with Headbanger Thrasher. And they were, you know, just, they were headbangers. I mean, you you get it. When I say the headbangers, (laughs) even if you've never seen them wrestle a match before in your life, you know what they look like. Like, (laughs) there's nothing particularly. His name
1: was Mosh.
0: Yeah. Headbanger (laughs) mosh. You get it?
1: No, I don't. Please explain.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, they had the, like, they technically had the tag team titles for a second, but it was the late 90s and, like, everybody had a title for a second because they were getting hot potatoed around like nothing. And they, they really hadn't made that much of an impression. And then Headbanger Thrasher went down with an injury and you know, as happens a lot in tag teams, especially mediocre tag teams, you kind of run the risk of one member of them just being left out to dry, right? But this is pro wrestling, and this is the Attitude Era. We have all sorts of colorful characters running around, and we can work up a new gimmick for this guy and repackage him and get him back out there, and it's 1999, and everyone loves wrestling, and it's going to be great, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And if there's one thing... Um that we know about Vince McMahon it's that he's very with the times yes and that he's got a great sense of humor that yes. isn't at all like a 13 year old's right no no not at all no no this is very serious so mark did you ever watch tv land growing up
1: um uh yeah yeah all like old, all the time
0: know? Old TV I, shows, old black and white TV shows, you know, like the Andy Griffith Show, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Me and uh, me and my dad used. To, well, I, I didn't have cable growing up, but whenever I was at other uh, people's houses, like when we were at my grandparents' house or whatever, we used to watch like the Batman TV show from yeah, uh, '66. Yeah, yeah. A bunch of stuff. Oh yeah, TV Land was great. Now it's now that's T V.
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of gone downhill. Yeah, TV, TV Land doesn't
1: exist. Uh, then you know what? We'll, we'll, uh, tune into our Patreon for our What happened to TV Land? <laughs> podcast
0: can you you think of a worse demographic for a podcast than discussing tv land because i don't think i can
1: i can't either now i really want to do one though just just to screw the entire podcast world over oh man that made me laugh that was really funny yeah i made myself laugh there
0: did you do you remember ever seeing a show called Leave It to Beaver on TV Land?
1: I I most certainly have.
0: It's pretty good, right? Like it's the
1: I, classic. Not just on uh, TV Land. Me, my family has all of those on DVD, actually. So
0: really, oh, yeah. beautiful. Okay, that's good to know. That's lovely. Um, so for those of you who might not know, because it is sort of a like very specific thing to know about, Leave It to Beaver is like the most stereotypical 1950s family-friendly TV show of all time. Yep. It's very wholesome. It's about this little kid named Theodore Beaver Cleaver and his, you know, growing up in 1950s middle America with the white picket fence and the dad who wears a suit and is stern and goes to work every day and the mom who wears, you know, high heels and pearls while she vacuums the house. It's just it's a great little time capsule of America and you know what America found entertaining in the fifties and early sixties. And you know, Mark, you weren't the only family who was clearly a fan of this show. Sure. Because I think, I think growing up Vince McMahon enjoyed this show. Oh, well that would, that would fit. That would fit time timeline wise. Right. it, It works. Right. And he had, um, they didn't have DVDs at the time, but I imagine he had a collection of them or, you know, remembered it fondly. Sure. Because if you're watching WWF in 1999, in between the misadventures of, you know, colorful characters like Val Venus and, oh boy. you know, rock stars like Stone Cold and The Rock and I can't Undertaker, believe of all the
1: characters you mentioned. You mentioned Val Venus, but okay.
0: I saw him a couple times while I was researching <laughs> this, and every time I'm just like, "Is this guy real? Like, what is this?" Yeah, he is. Anyway, that, oh, there's an episode man. in there. Somewhere. There is
1: an episode but in there. We'll see.
0: Maybe every once day. in a while, when a match came to an end or a segment came to an end, you would see a black and white video of a quaint little American suburb with a white picket fence. This charming little ditty is playing, and out on the mailbox we see that this home belongs to the cleavage family. Oh. And as we zoom into the house, we see a heavy set young man, uh, by young man, I mean grown man, but with this big kind of moon-shaped, literal baby-looking face, little baby face. And he's got, you know, like a suit and tie on, but he's got like a little propeller beanie on his head. Uh-huh. And this is clearly some sort of twisted time capsule some twisted vision of the 1950s. Oh. And we 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 meet this charming grown man who looks like a young man. And we learn that his name is Beaver Cleavage. Uh, oh. Specifically, well his Beaver of course is a nickname cuz no child could be named Beaver. That's Right, just right, silly. right. So his name is Harry. Harry Beaver Cleavage.
1: Oh. Okay. Um,
0: Before I tell you what, what happened in some of these charming little vignettes, I want to talk about another vignette for a second. And this is the one that John Moxley dropped on Twitter the second his WWE contract expired a few months ago. And oh, you might remember okay. a, a good wrestling promo, a good vignette like this, like teasing the debut of a new character, is going to incorporate – certain ideas or symbols, if you will, that, that the audience can kind of understand. It's sort of a meta level of storytelling and you can almost debate whether it's there or not, but it enhances your excitement of the character. It gives you something to really analyze in the film, right? right. So for example, the John Moxley clip, he's breaking out of prison, as his WWE contract expires and maybe we're leading a little bit too into this but you know when he's leaving prison he's being chased out by a big dog yeah you know maybe that's not intentionally about Roman Reigns but it's fun to talk about that and there's a scene where you know they tease his double or nothing debut like there's a pair of dice that you see on the screen and somebody was like oh the numbers line up to double or nothing he's gonna debut then and You know, people were like, no, that's crazy. That's not actually going to happen. Well, it actually did happen. And, you know, we we could talk about whether he meant to do that or not or whether or not he knew all day long. But the point is, that's a great video package. And it's fun to see sort of that that clever symbolism, right? Something you can really sink your teeth into as a viewer and get excited about the anticipation of this new character, right? Of course. So 1999 is no different. This is the height of the Attitude Era, where storytelling was at its best. And I don't know if you know this or not, Mark, but some people might construe Beaver as a slang term for a a woman's private parts, I don't know if you know that. Of course, we would never oh. talk about anything so crass on this show.
1: Oh uh, well, yeah, I guess and, I guess if some people looked at it that way, they'd have to right. be. I mean, they'd have to not be the best type of people, though, right, Harris? I mean, yeah, oh, n- Nobody, nobody would just nobody would just come to that conclusion on their own. I mean, they would have to be like shown that that was what they were talking about.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and again, and WWF would never do that. No, certainly not. Well, and this is another sort of unfortunate thing. Um, Cleavage, of course, is a—it's a play on Beaver Cleaver. Right, you can't do the the same
1: name. You know, you—you got to—you have to change it just for legal reasons.
0: Like a little bit, yeah. But also, cleavage. Again, we're gonna—you know—if you're a crass person, which we're not, cleavage is sort of you know like a woman's breasts.
1: Oh. And if they're really oh, prominent, yeah, I guess
0: somebody. Again, I guess you know,
1: if like, if you if your mind was there and and that's right. where you were going then, you know, you might think that, but only someone who really had a terrible mind. I mean, otherwise you'd have to like be it have to be like shoved in your face or something, you know, and WWF doesn't do that.
0: I don't know if you said shoved in your face or not intentionally, but Oh, my goodness. That's what you call foreshadowing, Mark. Um, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So we, okay, tell we come, us about it. We come to the home of this man, Beaver Cleavage, and he comes down, he pours himself a nice bowl of cereal, and he looks at the camera, he says, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Sure. And then he takes a big old bite of his cereal, and then we realize, Mark, perhaps this man, Beaver Cleavage... Is not the smartest man because he didn't pour any milk in his cereal and he eats oh. the dry cereal Oh. and he spits it out and he says, this is gross, mom, my cereal's too dry. And in walks a woman who we, we can assume to be Mrs. Cleavage. Sure. Again, we have to differentiate this character from the actual beaver cleaver, because, you know, this is a parody of a character. But unfortunately enough, this woman also has massive, massive cleavage. Oh. And she's carrying with her a jug of milk. And she says, oh, does Mother's Little Hairy Beaver want some Mother's milk? And he says, thanks, Ma. And she hugs him. And Beaver Cleavage buries his face in his mother's cleavage. Oh. And then... The vignette ends now. A couple things with that. Um, if the joke here, so okay, let's just let's just pause for a second. Vince McMahon thinks this is the funniest thing on the planet. I don't know who pitched this to him, but just breaking all all like ignorance we pretend to have for a second. Vince McMahon very clearly said, "Oh, I remember Beaver Cleaver. That show I watched as a child." You know what that sort of sounds like cleavage and beaver means beaver and that's funny let's do something with that and what he came up with was this newly revealed character beaver cleavage so yeah this was this was not the last vignette like any good wrestling character we we have a few more of these so the next week we tune in and he's, he's cut his knee. He's, you know, cause he's, he's a precocious little child, even though he's clearly like 30, he's playing like a cute little eight year old sort of beaver cleaver mold. Right. And he's got a cut on his knee and his mother says, well, now we have to get that fixed because nobody likes a split beaver. And then she starts cleaning the injury on his knee and Beaver looks at the camera and says when it comes to working on her knees my mom is the expert and then the vignette ends again because you know it's a sexual thing do you get it it's a double entendre it's really the height of comedy
1: yes it is <laughs> Boy, we should we should have uh, we should have put a warning at the front of this episode.
0: It, look, it aired on television, on broadcast television, in 1999. We can talk about it. We're we're gonna we're gonna
1: do a uh, a uh, a callback. Just pretend you're listening to this at the beginning. Um, be careful. There's uh there's references in this episode that
0: are. It's anyway.
1: It's you know what? 14. Forget it. It's too late. We're, we're too late. We're already past that part. Um, yeah, if
0: you listen to Behind the Gorilla with your kids, uh, we apologize, but also, what are you doing?
1: Well, no, I mean, uh, wh- what do you mean? Uh, well, yeah, the fact that you're listening at all, but, no, what do you mean? We're, we're very kid-friendly.
0: Well, this one's not. Sorry, kids. Yeah. Ask your parents about it.
1: Well, I so, do apologize.
0: So this just keep this keeps going, right? And... <laughs> it's week after week and it's got the dumb little like tinkering music that sort of sounds like something from like Barney, the purple dinosaur. That's clearly a play on the leave it to beaver soundtrack and it's filmed in black and white. And it's just, it's every week. The entire joke is his name is Harry Beaver cleavage. And his mom has big boobs. And here's the thing, like this almost it wouldn't have been salvageable but it almost would have been a joke if that was the joke like look at this it's a, it's it's a spin on like a cute wholesome family television show <laughs> and now it's really inappropriate like it's still dumb and that's not funny but it's almost a joke like in court you could make some sort of argument that it was a satire or something i don't know but sure not only Are we getting these very clever double entendres just beaten over our head every week? But Beaver is like in on it and he's into his mom. And I want to explain what I mean when I say that. Let me go to the let me let me skip to the last one that I could find, because these are not on the internet (laughs) anywhere. I could not find a single one. Think of all the dumb stuff we've watched on this show. And even something as stupid as like Tim White committing suicide 20 times in a row in different really insensitive ways, that's on YouTube because somebody said, wow, this is so crazy. Let me steal this and put it on YouTube so everyone can watch it. (laughs) The beaver cleavage vignettes are so bad and so insulting that not one person on the planet has taken the time to rip them from the network and <laughs> upload them on YouTube for people to watch. I had to go through, like, every episode of Raw for two months <laughs> looking for these. And they're only 30 seconds long. Right, so, so it's hard like, to find. Skip ahead. You just have to hit, like, the 10-second skip mark over and over and over again for a two-hour show.
1: Oh, jeez.
0: So let me just let me skip to the last one, and then I'll, I'll tell you what the worst, really the worst part about these vignettes is. This last one, he's he's eating his cereal or his milk with dinner. I don't remember. You know, the mother's milk, of course. It's never milk. It's always mother's <laughs> milk because, well, she brings it to him. So right, obviously, right, that's right. what you call it. You know, of course. And he spills some in his lap, and Mrs. Cleavage says, "Aw." my little hairy beaver's all wet. Let me take care of that. And then she takes like a rag and starts, you know, she reaches under the table and starts presumably drying his pants off because right. what else would she be doing? You know, and beaver does what he's done at the end of every single one of these vignettes. And I'm just saving it for the end. Cause I need you to understand that this is what takes it from bad to one of the worst things you've ever seen because he looks at the camera And he says, Thanks, mom. Nobody likes a sloppy beaver. And then he Uh, raises his eyebrows once or twice, like, huh? 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 Oh. Huh? Yeah. And then the vignette ends. Because like not only (laughs) not only is the joke Oh, it's hairy beaver cleavage and his mom's got big boobs Mm -hmm. and there's all these sexual innuendos happening. But at the end of every one, Beaver Cleavage looks at the camera and is like, yeah, I'm getting some. Oh. Every single time. So on top of being unfathomably stupid (laughs) and juvenile and condescending and inappropriate, yeah, there's incest implied now. Like, that's the last. Which we
1: all know that WWE has never gone into that realm ever
0: Vince clearly loves it, which is interesting. (laughs) That's an interesting statement. Yeah. But, like, if the kayfabe implication is not that this mother and son are hooking up, it's at least that the son is sexually attracted to his mother. Right. And is constantly putting himself— At best. Yeah, that's the best—right, that's the best case scenario, is that he's into his mom, and he's putting himself in all of these situations where he gets to fondle his mom, and he's into it. Yep. Literally every single one of these, he looks at the camera and does that little eyebrow razor. He's like, huh? 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 This is pretty good, right? And it's just, whoo! <laughs> anyway, okay. I, I, I digress a little bit just talking about these <laughs> vignettes with their clever symbolism and intrigue, you know? Because it's a lot like Firefly Funhouse. When you watch Beaver Cleaver, Beaver cleavage. I'm sorry. I made the mistake cuz they're so similar. They're right. so similar. I can't they're tell like them. They're like basically the same thing. It's a lot like Bray Wyatt's new Firefly Funhouse gimmick like when you see Beaver cleavage look at his mom's breasts and then bury his face into them with his stupid little propeller beanie cuz you know it's the 50s. I know. I can't wait to see what happens next. I'm just like, man, this is just this is such an interesting <laughs> subtle nuanced character i can't wait to see what he brings to the ring yeah mark worry not because okay first of all first of all the fact that this story exists is a damning indictment of vince mcmahon just like (laughs) as a person but i will say this i was terrified when i watched the may 24th episode of raw that i would have to watch one of these and to their eternal credit just to be serious for a second that was the episode of Raw right after the death of Owen Hart right it's a it's a really good episode of television like it's horrible obviously but it's just matches and wrestlers talking about Owen Hart uh-huh it's really powerful it's really moving it's a great like tribute to him as a performer and a character and a person and i was really terrified that at some point it would cut from a testimonial To a beaver cleavage vignette They didn't do that So a small amount of credit has to be given here That they skipped him for a week I think he was supposed to debut this week And that obviously didn't happen But so to their very limited amount of credit They they did skip one week of beaver cleavage content But we're going to keep moving forward now The next week on Raw we're just We're back full full stop (laughs) oh boy um so we now it's kind of funny people complain about commentary all the time and talk about how they don't focus on like the match at hand or like introducing new characters because they're talking about like the larger story right but that's exactly what happens here he's not given for his in-ring debut of beaver cleavage he's not given like a lot of fanfare believe it or not
1: oh Um, that's surprising
0: there's one brief backstage interview where he's He's talking to his mother, who's obviously coming to ringside with him. Of course. And saying, you know, I don't want to go out there and fight those guys, Ma. They're hippies. Cause, you know, he's from the fifties and they don't like hippies. It's right. It's character development mark. Even you know, though really hip-
1: even though hippies didn't even exist in the fifties. Right. But that's right. Fu- yeah, sure.
0: Perhaps there's a time travel situation involved here. <laughs> I don't I don't really know. <laughs> sure so the next next up it's time it's time for the great in-ring debut against Christian who is kind of a vampire at this point which is almost a whole nother episode yeah the
1: uh the oh shoot. the brood yeah the brood yeah yeah
0: yeah he's in the brood so he comes to the ring and he's kind of hanging out and now it's time you know this is this is jr and Jerry the king calling this and they're their lights out if nothing else you know jr announces all right and now it's time for the in-ring debut of Beaver Cleavage. <laughs> Please tell me there was a
1: brief pause as he rethought everything about his life before he oh, said yeah. the name Beaver Cleavage.
0: The best thing about JR is when he <laughs> when he has those moments you can hear it in his voice. He's just like, "Oh man. oh here we go. All right, it's the You know, like he can he can keep his JR voice and like persona and still be at like a 2 in terms of enthusiasm. <laughs> right. But that's not the best part, Mark, because this is a match featuring a man named Harry Beaver Cleavage, right, and his mother, Mrs. Cleavage, right, with color commentary from Jerry the King Lawler, and it's just—it's like the skies parted and a light shone down on him, and he was like, "This is why I was born." <laughs> JR announces it. It's now time for the in-ring debut of one beaver cleavage. And there's about three seconds of dead air. (laughs) And Jerry very helpfully chimes in. (laughs) (laughs) And he's, go ahead. If you have like the the sound system hooked up for this, uh, try and look up beaver cleavage theme song. Cause I just, I want, the music needs to be stuck in your head, like it's been stuck in mind, to really capture the grandeur of okay. this moment.
1: Hold on, hold on, and just imagine it like oh, I'm just I'm painting is. a
0: picture for you. While all
1: right, it's I'm like... I'm assuming that uh, I'm gonna hope that this is it. So so let's let's see if this is it. We'll, we'll give it a shot. All right. All right. All right. Here we go. Presumably, this is the uh, the theme song. Oh yeah. And uh, on this YouTube video, someone cut together a bunch of uh, clips from the
0: the packages. Yeah, it's his Titan Tron. It's his entrance video. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough
1: Y'all of can't that.
0: see me, but I'm doing a little dance in my living room <laughs> while I listen to that. So- oh, man. He's making his way to the ring and he's got like a little, you know, like a little short tie that comes down to like below his chest. And he's got like a white button down shirt with shorts and that little propeller beanie on his head and his mom in his arm. who's just this woman with absolutely massive cleavage because, you know, that's the joke. Right. And they make their way down to the ring and the match begins. And unfortunately, like I am a little mad about this. JR and Jerry spend most of the match talking about the other stuff that's happening, because there's crazy stuff happening right now, like there's the higher power and Vince McMahon right. doesn't know where his family is, and all this crazy stuff is happening. The, during the entrance, they do like a Vaude Villains thing where they make it in black and white as he comes to the ring, because again, it's Beaver Cleaver y'all from the 50s, that show that was in black and white. <laughs> right. and Jerry does this thing where he, he doesn't know what's happening, and he's like, what's wrong with our set? And he's like hitting his monitor. <laughs> and then the ring, like the match starts and it cuts back into color. And Jerry goes, oh, there it is. <laughs> That's funny. And JR is, like I said, he's kind of in that mode where he just, he, he's regretting his career choices at this point. <laughs> he so does not al- you he's know, the allegedly- best.
1: I don't know who's better at that. JR yeah. or Tony Schiavone. Both of them are amazing at... Still portraying the enthusiastic wrestling announcer while still being like, Why am I here? And you can hear it in their voice, and it's so funny.
0: And it's so important for a gimmick like this that you sort of acknowledge how stupid it is. You know what I mean? Like, if all of the, like, that sometimes can be the only thing that keeps the fans from changing the channel is. Right. Well, at least JR knows this is a bit silly. But JR, you know, JR and Kayfabe is still calling the match. But he's skeptical. He's got some questions. So, you know, as the match starts, he says, and allegedly this young woman is Beaver's mother. And he does have that pause where it, you know, he lets it sit for a second, where he's like, mm-hmm. Oh, geez. It's Beaver's mother. And then Jerry Jerry very helpfully chimes in and says, I like Beavers. Right. Thank you, Jerry. Yeah. JR says what we're all thinking and says, Well, yeah, if it's not puppies, it's beavers, right? <laughs> and Jerry says, I am an equal opportunity animal lover. So, you know, that's the kind of <laughs> charming, family friendly content that we tune in for. And it's it's a completely mediocre match. Like, it's not awful. I mean, he's been, you know, this guy, this performer has been a tag team wrestler for forever. It's not like he's an amateur or anything. Right. So they're just, they kind of just have a wrestling match. Um, One review I read described his moveset as bland and inoffensive, (laughs) as though it had been plucked out of the 1950s with him, which is pretty devastating. But he he hits a move at one point, and Jerry tries to actually make a joke and says, who do you think taught Beaver that, Ward? (laughs) For those of you who didn't watch Leave Uh... it to Beaver, Beaver has an older brother named Ward. Which
1: nobody No, 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 no. You, you... 1999 understood. No, Harris, you're wrong.
0: Yes, it is. I got that wrong. I was thinking Wally. I'm sorry. See, but I, (laughs) I grew up watching the show, and I almost got that. Nobody watching Raw in 1999 watched Beaver Cleaver. There's no way.
1: Yeah, not a lot. No, probably. They didn't
0: have TV land or DVDs back then, so not only is this terrible and offensive and stupid and juvenile and incestuous... It's also incredibly outdated, which is like the <laughs> least of its problems.
1: Yeah, very true. But he
0: says, he he gives, he's like, who do you think taught him that, Ward? And he gives a little cackle, and then there's just dead air again. Because, like, what are you supposed to do with that? <laughs> is JR going to come in and explain to the audience what that means? Like, <laughs> whew, they just kind of let that one sit. After about, you know, like a perfectly fine six minute match, he was just, you know, about average for the attitude error, for being honest. The Hardy Boys come down and they in- run interference on Christian and the ref is distracted by Mrs. Cleavage, which that's unfortunate. Yeah. And Beaver capitalizes on this opportunity and gets the pinfall for the win and saunters off with his mom arm in arm. And Christian and the Hardy Boy Christian forgets about him instantly because it's <laughs> about leading to a feud with the Hardy Boys, and they start brawling at ringside and mark. None of this is worth watching except for maybe this debut match just to get that commentary and then to get what happens next, which is Christian and the Hardy Boys brawling at ringside while the beaver cleavage theme is still playing. (laughs) Like they just let it go for about 20 seconds before they're like, all right, but we should probably focus on this. So just like – Play it again, if you can, and just imagine Christian diving off the turnbuckle and, like, throwing upper cluts and slugging people around. It's surreal. <laughs> it's just five... It's just a brawl at ringside. <laughs> Edge comes storming down to provide backup. Oh, it's, it's incredible. It's honestly... Oh, it almost almost makes this whole angle worthwhile not quite but almost so where are we now beaver cleavage is one and oh undefeated in the wwe (laughs) and we actually we we wouldn't see him for a few weeks after that there was other stuff going on you know higher power all that stuff again the focus was not on this man at this time he was kind of flying under the radar but Finally, almost a month later, we we cut back to Michael Cole, who is the backstage interviewer at the time, and he's literally wearing all denim. It's it's honestly amazing. It's you know like a
1: blue <laughs> jean shirt. I just loved different... how skinny Michael Cole is. He's yeah, like a twig. He's
0: got the beard on. It's it's wild. It is. So they cut, but you know, just just good old Jr. and Jerry. They say, "All right, back to Michael Cole," and Michael Cole says. Well, Beaver, you've got a big match coming up against Meat, which is a whole... That's that's another episode right there. There was a wrestler <laughs> called Meat. And Beaver starts to say something about how, you know, I don't want to fight anyone named Meat. And then he stops. And he just takes off the beanie. And he looks at his mom, Mrs. Cleavage, and just says, yeah, I can't do this. And he walks <laughs> off. <laughs> and they go Chaz Chaz we're live Chaz <laughs> and then Mrs. Cleavage kind of looks at the camera and then they cut back to Jerry and Jr. who aren't quite like flustered <laughs> but they just they're immediately like okay well you know live television y'all there's nothing quite like it and <laughs> I guess due to uh this is a quote due to philosophical and creative differences the match between beaver cleavage and meat has been called off. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a heck of a line. That's a great line. And in interviews, remember this all started with a poor, poor man named Charles Warrington, right? In interviews in 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 the future, what he would say is basically between the death of Owen Hart, right before he debuted as Beaver Cleavage and The fact that Sable was suing the company for sexual harassment at the time, (laughs) they kind of – creative kind of moved away from anything controversial. Or maybe not all things controversial, but at least things this stupid and controversial. (laughs) And to this man's credit, he literally said, yeah, I think if we had more time, it could have worked, which is just wrong. Wow. But – you know, he was a true believer. He he went along with it. And at some point between his in-ring debut and this, this interview with Michael Cole about a month later, somebody said, okay, let's just dial back on the incest boy a little bit.
1: <laughs> that was the first name that Vince pitched for the name of the character.
0: <laughs> it's the worst superhero ever. <laughs> it, was, it was shot
1: down. By uh, Bruce Pritchard or whoever was uh, running stuff at the time. I know Vince Russo was there. It's probably his yeah, idea, so, to be honest.
0: Hmm.
1: This sounds like a Vince Russo slash Vince. It sounds like a Vince McMahon idea uh, then cultivated by Vince Russo. Yeah. That's what it sounds like.
0: So, yeah. So, what happens is we, they, they try to spin it as this whole work shoot thing, right? right. And they come back the next week, and it's another interview with Michael Cole, and he's he's doing his best, you know, intrepid journalism performance. He says, now, Chaz, last week we saw something we're not used to seeing in WWF. You broke character. And this poor guy tries to, like, you know, cut his own little <laughs> pipe bomb. I mean, he looks at the camera he says, well, with all due respect to the creative team here in the WWF, I've been down Gimmick Alley before. I've been a spider. I've been a headbanger. I've been a <laughs> flying nun. I've been <laughs> Harry Beaver Cleavage, but with the support of my girlfriend Mariana here, which is Mrs. Cleavage, she's right, still right, in the right. angle. <laughs> she's convinced me to set out on my own and be my own star. I'm Chaz, I'm a kid from New Jersey, I'm here to have fun, and that's what I'm gonna do. And you just like, okay, bless your heart, man. Like, it's the idea is there, but like, there's a reason he's been down Gimmick Alley before. And his kid's like, he's, you know, he's a solid hand, but he's just not that interesting. And not only that, but he cuts this promo, like essentially saying, hey, forget all of that. I'm just me, myself, Chaz Warrington. And also, this is my girlfriend, Mariana Missage Cleavage. (laughs) Thank you for that. (laughs) And then he goes out and he has a wrestling match with me. Like he's just doing the same thing he would have done anyway. But it's honestly – it's less interesting because it's less insane. Like I almost get where he was coming from when he said later he was like, you know, we should have just written it out and seen what would have happened because he's right. Like it's not like there weren't a ton of other stupid or offensive characters at the time. Like he's going out there to fight meat. You've heard of the man called Sting, right? This is the man called Meat. This is like a bonus episode. And Meat's entire gimmick (laughs) is that he's the boy toy for a faction of women's wrestlers known as the Pretty Mean Sisters, which, yes, the acronym for that is P.M.S. Right. So there's a faction of women's wrestlers called P.M.S. And literally, this is not like implication. This is the storyline. Meat doesn't perform well in the ring. Because he's being sexually, he's use, he's like serving all of PMS's sexual needs before every match backstage. They, this is the gimmick they kept. Like they were fine with this, <laughs> but having this guy in the feud with beaver cleavage was just taking things too far. And won't someone think of the children? Oh my! So gosh. I kind of, when Charles Warrington says, like, honestly, we should have just committed to it. I kind of get what he means (laughs) when you see that ultimately this is how this beaver cleavage angle ended. They just quit on it. They were just like, well, let's, let's run a work shoot and like blur the boundaries and let this guy just be himself. And he goes out there and he, he is himself. And you're just kind of like, man, you should have stuck with incest boy. (laughs) Like at least that was something to see, you know, this is just a guy. With like generic entrance music that like beaver cleavage's entrance music has been stuck in my head for three days, and i couldn't I couldn't sing Chaz's entrance music to you if you had a gun to my head <laughs> so look I get it I get why they gave up on incest boy beaver cleavage. <laughs> I get why people always bring it up whenever people say the Attitude Era was great, and then somebody else is there to say, mm, "Was it?"
1: That's that's me. I am that yeah. I'm that side of everyone where it's like, yep. uh, half the people who say that didn't actually watch the Attitude Era, and <laughs> right. and the other the other half that say that forgot what three fourths of the Attitude Era was. So, yep. uh,
0: and yeah. just just doing research for this episode, and like I said, scrolling through all these episodes of Raw for like a month. A month that's pretty well known and even if it wasn't satisfying, like had a really famous month or two of like main event storytelling. I was sitting here thinking, man, there's a lot of stuff I could do episodes on. <laughs> <laughs> like meat, in and of himself. I just stumbled onto that and I was like, oh.
1: right, That would have to wow, be another episode that we would forget to put a warning label on the front.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I get why people – rightfully point out that the attitude era wasn't all that great. I even get why nobody has bothered to put these beaver cleavage vignettes on YouTube. But
1: <laughs> again, I yeah, yeah, yeah. no. It yeah, wasn't yeah.
0: like like was it? It was all the terrible things I've already said. It was dumb, it was condescending, it was juvenile. It also wasn't really that much worse than a lot of stuff they had going <laughs> on at the time. And that's kind of the dirty little secret about Beaver Cleavage. Oh man. If you'll forgive the pun. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. Again, we don't think that way though, so we would have no idea what right. it, we, no, we we don't know we're... what double entendre means, Harris. <laughs> we have to we have to have it explicitly told to us by WWE.
0: Well listen, I just I had to look up why Beaver and Cleavage was so funny and right. you guys shouldn't, because it'll you know it'll ruin your minds.
1: <laughs> right, yeah. So don't don't think of that. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, man. Whoa. Don't think
0: of that as a really good way to close, honestly.
1: <laughs> welcome back to Behind the Gorilla, everyone. Uh, welcome to Season 6. Woo! Season 6. Hopefully, we're not canceled. But uh, <laughs> anyway, oh, uh, uh, apologies to anyone who. Uh, that we didn't put a warning thing on the front. If you didn't want to mm-hmm. listen to uh, some of that, well,
0: I'm sorry. Tough. It's I, free I, and. Sorry. I didn't want to either. Okay. <laughs> we didn't
1: we didn't want to
0: either. The theme song is great. Whoever wrote that <laughs> is a genius. Probably Jim Johnson. And now, like, here's the messed up thing. I listened to it and I was like, that does sound, it, it sounds like a parody of the Beaver Cleaver song. Right. And I, I don't remember it. I was like, I started to sing it and I just found myself singing the Beaver Cleavage song instead.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
0: how good it is. Like, it just sticks <laughs> in your brain and you can't think of anything else.
1: It, it does anyway
0: but anyway
1: so uh, that is that's that thanks thanks a lot for for bearing with us through uh, an, another very bizarre very very strange and that's that that's that says a lot that, that that's a, this is a strange <laughs> episode of behind the gorilla where we literally nope. every week talk about strange things
0: like so. we, we do, we do this every week, and when we get to the end and we're just at a loss for words, <laughs> you know, it was something. It was something special, Mark. I really hope you name this episode Beaver Cleavage Incest Boy. <laughs> like he's a superhero. If not, know. I understand. I don't you know if I'm like, gonna I go.
1: I don't know if I'm gonna go that far. No, it's not gonna okay. get flagged. But I don't know if I'd go that far. But we'll see. I just see. feel like
0: the people should know. You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We'll 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 have to figure it out. What what that's gonna. Be but anyway, um, all right, Harris. We almost forgot, but we of course have to do what is up with David Arcat. All right, David Arcat, he's been wrestling a lot, like, he, he kind of didn't wrestle for a while, and now he's been just going to town on stuff over the past, I don't know, month or so. Seems like he's just constantly in matches.
0: What uh rattle some of them off for me. Catch me up to speed here.
1: Well, uh, a couple months or like a month or so ago, he had a he had a big match with uh Jungle Boy which was nice, w- nice. which was a big deal because of course Jungle Boy is uh the son of Luke Perry who is big time actor obviously and David Arquette was really good friends with. So Excellent. That was real emotional and and um, also, as a shout out for that, the uh, there's a um, a group Wrestle Days. They're both on YouTube and Twitter and everything, and they they made an awesome like mini documentary on Jungle Boy, and it is fantastic. It's on YouTube. Um, I posted a clip of it on Twitter uh, a few days ago. I would highly recommend checking that out because it is it's it's awesome. And there's a whole segment with David Arquette like from that match and after that match, and it's it's just really touching.
0: And it's awesome. Okay, Um, sweet. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. Now there's one, there's one in the works for David Arquette. Is there not?
1: Yeah. He's in the pro I I know he's in the process of filming everything. He's been documenting his like return to wrestling for, uh, the past year or so. So I would hope that one would be coming up at some point,
0: but can't wait to plug the heck out of that. Mm -hmm. We're going to be like the biggest hype man for him when it does.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, we definitely will be. And, uh, so yeah, he's he's wrestled in um a couple matches. He wrestled uh Ethan Page recently. Um he was in A1 wrestling wrestling for for a, uh I think that might have been the same one, yeah, with with uh Ethan Beja, yeah. but he's just been doing a lot. He I, I feel like he's coming to the end of his uh wrestling career. That, that's kind of mm-hmm. what it what it feels like. So, he's getting a lot in um a lot in over the past little while. So, We'll see how much longer it goes, and it's uh, it's wonderful to watch, and it's very entertaining. And also, out of the blue, he followed our uh, Instagram page, so that was uh, that was pretty cool. Now now he Hooray! follows us on both. I know I didn't even like ask, I didn't even like beg for it or anything. It just <laughs> I hadn't even posted a David Arquette thing in like months, and then uh, all of a sudden it was like David Arquette followed you, and it's like oh hooray
0: yeah got him followed or blocked that was what we always
1: said and we got two followed and on the well what are you talking about we got him on the show
0: right right i mean so far above shifted
1: so far above anything we ever thought and that was was uh, great that was was go listen to that
0: episode if you haven't already or even if you have go listen to it again i've listened to
1: it probably like 10 times myself and it's it's so great it's so entertaining it's it's uh it's wonderful you can hear how terrible we are at like tag teaming an interview because we've well, he just, never done he, it he before
0: was busting my balls the whole time <laughs> he was
1: you can that hear was harris the best
0: part i was like this is really surreal what is happening right now
1: yes yes you can that was uh that was very very entertaining so yeah go and check that one out it's it's a ways back it was from uh the uh, beginning of the year, so like January, I think it was like into so January. Which
0: season would that be? Was that season three? All I the think way back this in- was
1: still season three. Yeah, so it was one of the first episodes of season three. Um, all those
0: long seasons ago. Yeah,
1: I know early on, but uh, yeah, go and check that out for sure. It's all up on our uh, podcast website, which there's a link to that, of course, at our Twitter page at behind underscore gorilla. And also, apparently, Harris, we got a new patron saint um, <laughs> because a tweet, a random tweet. That I did, um, got liked by uh, Tainara Conti. So she's she's the new female pe- patron saint of uh, Behind Twitter the thirst
0: pays off yet again.
1: Yeah, well, what do you mean yet again?
0: I don't know. I just mean in general because oh, there's so yeah. many instances of that going well for
1: people to <laughs> <who> do it. <laughs> I know, right? But yeah, but, so uh, so that was nice, and yeah, was so we'll... pretty
0: sweet. One of the great things about NXT is the ability to like. I don't want to say get access, but, like, learn about potential superstars before they really blow up. Because, right. like, wrestling fans know what NXT is, but not that many people follow it that closely. True. I'm going to level with you. I didn't know who this person was until you tweeted that. Wait, really? Really? Yeah, because oh. I haven't been following NXT as closely as I well, used to. Well, I mean, I like,
1: I don't either necessarily, but no, that's surprising. Fair enough.
0: But that's just I think that's really cool though that I can find that and then be like, oh, okay, like this person I didn't know about before is down there in the performance center like grinding away, and they're going to be like the next big thing. That's super cool. Yeah. Like I remember before Bailey like ever won anything in NXT, she was just hanging out like going to house shows with Carmella. And they would go on Periscope and just talk to people like 20 viewers on Periscope for like two hours driving around Florida and like running into gas stations and buying food and like talking to the manager live the whole time. And I was just I didn't like I never knew that they were going to blow up the way they did. It was just cool. You know what I mean? So I love that we get to do that all over again with new NXT superstars. And I love that we have a new patron saint. That's really
1: fun. It is nice. So we'll be uh, following her career now as she uh, continues to, to uh, develop and everything. And uh, that'll be a lot of fun. Followed or blocked.
0: Yeah. Followed (laughs)
1: or blocked. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that I guess will have to be a new goal. So, uh, oh man, who knows? But anyway, so that was, uh, that was, that was entertaining. But anyway, that, 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 um, that that's our uh, segment on what's up with David Arquette. And now uh Tainara Conti. It has to be a double a double thing now. So we'll we'll figure out what happens. Thanks for listening to Behind the Gorilla. <laughs> you can you can follow us on Twitter to hear us talk more about incest boy at behind underscore gorilla. Um Yeah. Uh you can also yep. follow me on Twitter at Marky Markbrand, where I will not be talking about Incest Boy.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm at Harris Wilson. You can follow me. We talk about other stuff in wrestling. Not usually incest. No. Very rarely, I would say.
1: Like. Yeah.
0: Low percentage of the tweets are about incest.
1: Yeah, like none.
0: Yeah. Very low. Very low. Until now.
1: Until now, right?
0: Promoting <laughs> this episode, we're just gonna have to. Right. Dance around it. I don't know, man.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll figure something out. But. Uh, yeah. Thanks a lot for. Uh, for listening to this and we're we're sorry yeah we, we are sorry um we are back and uh hopefully we won't miss another week but who knows but uh we're gonna try not to we're gonna try and keep these coming out every uh every monday morning right in time for you to ruin your love of wrestling by watching raw so uh all right i got i got nothing else harris
0: Yeah, I, I don't either. I don't know what... <laughs> you close. This is your thing.
1: All right. Well, uh, go and leave us a uh, review. You know what? No. Don't leave us a rate and a review on iTunes. <laughs> Wait till next Talk week, and and then maybe then maybe do it. Maybe do it next week. Um, but anyway, thanks again for listening to Behind the Gorilla, the podcast on the wild, wacky, and sometimes offensive side of professional wrestling. Um, again, I'm Mark. And I'm Harris. And hopefully...